Hey guys, welcome to the Nice Guy Show. My name is Chuck Chapman. I'm here with my co-host, Faisal Coker and Ari Graf. And today we're going to be talking about the thing that frustrates us coaches oftentimes because it's a real challenging thing. And the challenging thing is ambivalence. Ambivalence is sort of being of two minds. You know, it's too bad to stay, too good to go. And it keeps nice guys stuck in their relationships. It keeps them playing small. It keeps them in a place in their relationship where, you know, it's just sort of, it's okay. And I don't know, for me, life is too short to be in a relationship. It's just okay. I want to be in a vibrant relationship. I want to be in a passionate relationship. I want to have my needs being met and I want to meet the needs of my partner. So we're going to talk about that ambivalence today, and we're going to share some of our own stories and things that we've gone through that have created our own ambivalence and how we've broken through the ambivalence so that if that's something you're struggling with, maybe you'll get something from this. So Ari, have you ever struggled with this ambivalence or maybe even had a client that struggled with ambivalence? Yes. I'm a case study in ambivalence. <laughs> so welcome. Um, you know, I, I think uh, I was just listening to you with the intro, like this idea that a relationship should be vibrant and like you should be having a lot of fun and enjoying it. And that just didn't characterize my relationships in the past, um, particularly my marriage. I, I just, I think, quickly got to the point where I thought, okay, you know, marriage is supposed to be hard. Um, it's supposed to be work. Um, and I, I just, I felt like, okay, I love this woman. I, I chose her, uh, but I do feel miserable all the time. Um, much of the time she was mad at me. Like I felt like I was in the doghouse, um, and I, I didn't know how to go how to get out of the doghouse. So I, I just felt like if I could, if I could just be a better husband, she would be more loving. She would be happy. So that was the, the quandary that I was in much of the time. So there was a lot of self blame and just not sure sort of who, who or what was responsible for the ambivalence. I think that's probably something that a lot of nice guys experience. Like we're, we're going to break it down for you today how we view ambivalence, but when you're in the middle of it, it feels like a muck. I think, you know, th that's one of the, the take homes. And I, and I wanted to ask you guys, you know, how do you know when, when you're in a relationship, how, how much ambivalence is too much? How do you, how do you, do you have a metric for ambivalence? Mm -hmm. Is there an ambivalence meter in your head? Hmm, great question. For me, I kind of go back to the 80-20 rule. You know, most things in life are 80-20. And if my relationship 80% of the time is vibrant and fun and I'm enjoying the relationship and 20% of the time it's a little bit of work, then I think that's a pretty good ratio. It's when it's flipped, you know, and it's 80% work and drudge and then maybe 20% or even worse, you know, it might be 90% drudge and 10% good, or it might even be worse than that, you know, 99 and one. I think the ratio, you know, for me and kind of what I strive for is, am I having fun? Am I having a good relationship? Do I enjoy being in this relationship at least 80% of the time? 
And I think that's a pretty good metric. Um, and then you can always strive for more, strive for more than that by, you know, increasing that. How can we increase the fun, the connection? And I think that's up to us guys as leaders in our relationship is we're the ones responsible for the quality of the relationship that we have. And so if I'm not enjoying it, why? And I either need to fix that or I need to, um, if it's unfixable, then I need to find something else that works for me. But that's how I would I would rate it. Faisal, how about you? Any? Yeah, I love the 80-20% rule. And I think 80-20% rule is great for pretty much everything that you add in life as well. To me, this is the, I would say, the perfect sweet spot for health, wealth, relationships, everything that you do, the 80-20% rule. Because there is going to be a 20% side that you will do things that you're not happy with. There are going to be struggles in life. And sometimes it might flip. It might be 20% of the times there might be a struggle. Or 20% might be good and 80% rough. But as long as I like your metric of 80, 20% is good. Uh, it's a great way to you know live life in on many realms. And uh, you know, for me, my experience was there was many times I was stuck and it, for me, relationships, well, those relationships were like quicksand. As soon as I, you know, put my, uh, stepped into them, they just started to suck me in. And I'm thinking, you know, do I want to get out? Do I not want to get out? Uh, but it's comfortable. Uh, but I can see it's not happy. I'm going to go towards the danger, but I'm doing nothing about it. And anything that I did try to do, like Ari was saying, was it was met with hostility it was met with um overwhelming emotions so i i was very much stuck in this no man's land in this quicksand of thinking should i should i not and there i didn't have the courage i wish i did but this is where i really find myself and i see a lot of guys being stuck in the no man's land mm -hmm. I just yeah. wanted, I wanted to say, I think one of the hard parts, even just with the 80-20 the rule is good, but like as a nice guy, I had trouble with honoring my own experience, my own feelings. So like even trusting like, well, <laughs> am I evaluating this correctly that this is actually, you know, 20% good and 80% bad, or is this what I deserve? You know, that that's one of the hard parts is not feeling like I deserve better and wondering if, if it's all because of because of me that, you know, that I, I've made it miserable. So I'm just make, making this harder for you guys. Well, so I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. So is that like a lot of, yeah. So is it like a lot of self-doubt in that? Is that what you mean? Tons of self-doubt. I just, I didn't trust my own judgments about it. So like. Um, well, like, you know, I knew I was unhappy, but I felt like, you know, maybe it's because of all this, this shit I've done, you know, like maybe this is what I deserve. Um, but I, I think what, what you guys are saying is regardless, you've got to honor your own experience. And even if you're contri contributing to the misery, um, you can improve it. And I think it's a little bit hard because I think on the one hand, when you have the mindset of this is what I deserve or wondering like, you know, is this, is this all I get kind of thing, then yeah, that's what you're going to get in return. 
you know. Uh, I would say, like, if you're questioning it, there's a probably a pretty good chance yeah. that something is off. Because here's the thing, if nothing is off, you're not going to be questioning it. You're just going to be like, woo, this is great, you know, every once in a while. But, you know, and I always say, life without my wife would be easier, but it wouldn't be better, you know. There's so many times where it's like there's some frustration or she does something that kind of frustrates me. And it's a it's a frustration, but it's not something I would leave her over. But what she contributes to my life and what she brings into my life totally outweighs the frustration that comes up every once in a while. And I think I think most guys, especially the nice guys, we grew up with this idea that it's our responsibility to make the woman happy. You know, we grew up with moms that were maybe critical. And so we mm -hmm. have this framework that says, you know, happy wife, happy life. And I think that's just bullshit, you know, because I think if, if you're striving to make her happy so that you can be happy, then all you're doing is you're trying to, you're making her the priority. And why isn't she making you the priority? Why isn't there a, you know, happy husband, happy life kind of quote out there? Why, supposed to why be... are you telling me this now? <laughs> why, why, what was this message? <laughs> but it, it should be more reciprocal than that. Good, good love and happy husband. How's that sound? Yeah. Yeah. Love your man. What happened to those songs of like, stand by your man, love your man. You know, all those kind of things. They classics, I guess. I guess there's, you know, just long for the days of patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> so Faisal, what about you? What was your relationship like? How are you stuck or how would you, how did ambulance show up in your life? I had a, my first ever relationship was five years, nine months, way too long. I got into this relationship and <clears throat> it was because of, well, obviously the nice guy syndrome because of comfort. And it was like, okay, this is the best thing I'm going to get because I was very passive when it came to relationship. I wasn't going out there actively, you know, screaming, getting dates, meeting women. It was one of those things that happened to fall into place. And it just, so I go into this relationship and within few months, Within three months, I was already questioning it. I was already like, mm, is this the right thing? I'm just going to settle down. You know what? I'll just stick with it. It was really cowardly thing to do, but I just stayed in that. And then as the relationship, as it, the quicksand was taking hold, then it was, okay, you know what? If I um, start to behave in a certain way, you know, things will really start to improve. I'll get rid of all this self-doubt. I'll get rid of all this negative self-doubt. Every relationship has this and it's natural. So I, I started to convince myself that it's okay. And because I hadn't done any kind of like uh, assessment or screening on it, all I was doing was I was experiencing a lot of pain and hurt and agony about the choice I had made. And then I thought, okay, rather than leaving the relationship a lot of nice guys say ending the relationship i just stayed with it and try to make it happy try to make her happy i was buying into this narrative because in my culture it was very much about once you get married that's it you're locked in yeah i think that that happens to a lot of us that was certainly my culture as well 
you know, my parents always said, you know, um, you know, divorce is never going to happen. You know, we might kill each other, but we're not going to get divorced kind of thing. And it was a little bit of a joke, but it really kind of stuck with me in that that's just something that we don't do. And here's what I found anyway, was part of the thing was I was terrified of being alone. I had never really been alone. I mean, I graduated high mm. school. I joined the military, went to military, went to college, lived in the dorms, got married. And I never lived on my own for any significant amount of time. And so when I was in this marriage, I was terrified of being alone. And one of the things that divorce taught me was I'm going to be okay. Like this might be a little bit hard at first, but I'm going to not only be okay, I'm going to start to thrive. I'm going to start to feel, you know, find my own voice and find my own power and get to decorate things the way that I want to decorate and not have to answer to anybody. And, and after a while it became a thing of like, wow, it was almost like freedom. And the result of that is then that in my current relationship, I'm not afraid to go. I mean, I don't want to, but if I ever had to, for whatever reason, I know I'd be okay. I know I would thrive. And sort of jokingly, I always say that, you know, everybody should get divorced at least once because you need to experience that being okay on your own. Because I think that so much of our um, ambivalence comes from this fear of being alone and we're not going to be able to handle it. We're going to be lonely. And, um, and I think that that just isn't the case that we bring so much to the relationship. You know, as a man, we bring a lot to the relationship and so does the woman. But oftentimes I don't think that we're appreciated in relationship because there's this mindset of the man is supposed to appreciate the woman. Um, but I think that's one of the things that can keep us stuck is just being that fear of being alone. What about you, Ari? Do you have any experience with that? What was it like? Um, definitely, uh, always had trouble with being alone and, and, and totally agree. Yeah. Like getting divorced and, and, uh, and taking breaks from dating after divorce was, was such a valuable thing for me to realize that I, I could be alone and I, I could be happy. Um, but that is something that I think keeps people in relationships that, that aren't working for them. I mean, I think like both of you, I had, I don't think I had as much cultural stigma against divorce. I mean, there's divorce in my family, not my parents. My parents are still married, uh, but I had internalized stigma about divorce. I, I, I just thought like those people have character weaknesses um, and they don't know how to work through problems. And here I was, you know, I'm a psychologist. I know I can work through problems and I've, I've married someone who's training to be a therapist. So sure, surely we can figure this out. Um, and I just, I didn't want to be one of those people who got a divorce. And then I didn't want to, you know, I had the entanglement of my son who was only two. Um, so that kept me, um, wanting to fight for the, the marriage because I, I didn't, 
want to break up the home. So, I mean, I think that's another thing. Those entanglements keep people in ambivalent relationships and not not making any decision or not feeling like they they can't even make a decision yeah i love i love what you just said there ari i just want to acknowledge the fact that when i was when i went through my divorce the stigma was really bad the fact was i remember when i was picking up my uh kids from school and i was so paranoid about other parents looking at me and saying, ah, oh, look at that guy. He, he's a divorcee. He failed. What a loser. And I try to not try to make any eye contact with people. I, I just quickly picked them up, rushed them to the car, and then, you know, brought them back home. And it was, it was such an embarrassment to, to even think that I failed. And a lot of guys I speak to who've you know, gone through a, a challenging, that's what they see themselves as. You know, I'm a failure. I'm a loser. And that's one thing that keeps guys, and it kept me into the, in the relationship. Because had I looked back, the only thing that was keeping me together, or keeping us, the family, together, was comfort, um, fear of you know the unknown, the uncertainty. That was the biggest thing: is I don't know what's going to happen, and because of uncertainty, I just kept playing safe. I think I was, I thought I was doing the right thing, but effectively, it was making things worse long term, and it was really hidden. I think sometimes we, we value keeping a relationship together or keeping a, a family together over everything else, N not thinking about like, well, a miserable mm. marriage is, is going to be detrimental to both, both spouses, a, a miserable family life is going to be detrimental to the child and that they, they couldn't have a happy life outside of it. So, you know, we, we sort of give up all our options. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I think that oftentimes if I'm working with a guy who's in a relationship, that's, um, you know, an entanglement. And I think entanglement's a great word. Entanglement is, you know, if you think about like a fish swimming and all of a sudden there's a net and the, and the fish gets caught in the net. That's an entanglement. The more you struggle, the more tangled you get. And that happens, I think, in a lot of our relationships because we're just going along and then all of a sudden we get trapped into something. You know, our finances are meshed together. We've got kids. We've got mortgage, all those kind of things. And it creates this entanglement. And the more we struggle, the more we get stuck. And so after a while, we just like kind of say, okay, I'm just not going to struggle anymore. And we just kind of become complacent. Whereas I think that if you're methodical and you create a weaving of your relationship, you know, that there's an intricacy to it. There's a conscious choice behind it that when you, if you ever decided to get divorced, you know, you can unweave something a lot easier than you can something that's entangled. And so just trying to keep that idea in mind of, okay, we're consciously doing this, but we're doing it in a way that you know, if something happened to one of us, we'd be able to, you know, be able to, to thrive on our own. And I think that's, that's actually a responsibility of being the leadership in the family is to not get entangled, but to weave and be methodical and pristine about that. But yeah, I, I like that idea of weaving 
It's 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 conscious entanglement. It's conscious entanglement. Conscious, conscious, conscious. Yeah, because I think the point of being in a relationship is to be connected. You know, not to be necessarily these two independent people that you know just cohabitate together, but that there mm -hmm. is a conscious decision about how you're going to do things. And I think the just the concept for me of weaving as opposed to just like, oh yeah, just walking along, all of a sudden I get stuck in this trap and I don't know, I don't know how to get out of it. Um, I don't, I notice a lot of guys who do get entanglement. The, the common pattern I've seen with them is that they are really bad enders. Now they, they lack the ex conscious experience of dating and being able to end a relationship. I mean, most of my relationships um, earlier on, they were the one to end it. I, actually, one of my relationships, I ended it because I hit breaking point. But it, it was until breaking point or it was until they break up, the entanglement actually, you know, I, I got out of the entanglement. It was not never up to a conscious choice. When I, learned, <clears throat> when I started getting more experience, and uh, with you know, starting relationships and ending relationships, it became more about, it's not about what I needed anymore, it's about, is this purposeful? And I just kept asking myself, I remember I was, um, I got entangled with a girl very quickly and then she moved in only after a few months. And this was quite early on after my, my marriage. And I thought I had done the work. I thought, oh, you know, I've, I've read a lot about, you know, a lot of books and done some coaching, done all of this stuff like that. But obviously it takes time for what you learn for you to embody. And after a few months, you know, she's moved in. I thought because it, you know, it just makes logical sense and it was easier for her rather than moving out. And the next thing I'm in this entanglement and after a little while, I realized this is, this isn't helping us. And then it was like a thought of, is this relationship now purposeful? Does it help her? Does it help me? And it wasn't. And it was from there I had to, it's the most difficult thing to do. It's like me talking about the entanglement in the net. It was like trying to come out the quicksand. It was saying, I've got to make a conscious decision and stick to it and end this relationship and walk away. And this is where a lot of nice guys really struggle is they lack that capacity, that courage, the balls to end a relationship because one is they have the lack of experience going into relationships. You need to break some hearts. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Start with your own first one. Be okay with breaking your own heart. Just be okay with like saying that, oh, you know what? This is going to be difficult. This is going to be hard. Get okay with uncertainty. When you're okay with uncertainty, you can deal a lot with the world. And there's obviously more stuff going on. There's for me on my first uh, relationship, there was trauma bonding going on. The more, abusive that she was becoming, the more entrapped I was. There was a lot of trauma bond going on in that part. And in that trauma bonding, I wasn't able to, you know, have my own consciousness to get out of that. So there was a lot going on underneath the layers as well. I love what you said about breaking your own heart, because we, we usually think about breaking the other person's heart, but, but we're dealing with a loss when we end a relationship. So this is just acknowledging that that aspect of it that we we are we are making a choice to have a loss and and, and we're building up that muscle when you think about entanglement 
you know, getting just like a, a net that you're caught in this net and you're struggling to try to get out and you can't. How does how do you get untangled from that? Well, you have to cut yourself out. I mean, and it becomes a real painful process then of like I'm breaking up. You know, we're cutting this, we're severing, and it almost becomes this sort of it can become this sort of act of violence of like we're both upset with each other and we're hurt and all this. Whereas you know, I think if you, first of all, I think if you're weaving the relationship together, there's a lot less chance that you're going to feel entangled. And it's when you feel entangled and trapped is when you feel like you've got to get out. But with the weaving something, all you got to do is pull on one of the threads and it starts to come apart, you know, and it's not quite as painful as having to sever and cut and, you know, remove, uh, you know, remove somebody from your life, so to speak. So, I think that entanglement is actually the thing, one of the main things that keeps nice guys stuck in the state of ambivalence is they don't actually know how to get out without just severing everything, blowing up the world. And that prospect is too frightening for them to even want to consider. Yeah, I love that word. It's, it's extremely frightening. And we have to be consciously ruthless rather than being scared and ruthless. Because when you're consciously ruthless, it's more purposeful driven. And I remember when I was scared, when I was when I see other guys who are scared, then they act from a place of anger, resentment, bitterness, and then they start to, you know, get to a breaking point. Whether either she's at a breaking point, he's at break, breaking point, or maybe both of them are, and then the you know the disentanglement happens. It's when we become ruthlessly. I believe strong and courageous and do it from a place of actually this is more purposeful and act from that. Yeah. I think it can be one of the most loving acts you can give your partner is yes. to leave sometimes, you know, because the relationship is hurting both of you. And um, I think calling it off can be a, an, one of the highest acts of love. Yeah, um, I, I, And I think when you, when you approach it from that standpoint of I'm doing this as a conscious choice of love for you and for yes. me, you know, we are love better that. off without each other. Then it's not coming from a place of anger and hurt. You know, you get hurt, you get angry, you get angry, you want them to hurt. So you hurt them. And then there's just all of this, but if you could actually approach it of like, Hey, together, we're just, we don't work. We're too different. We have too many things that, you know, separate us, let's love each other enough to let each other go and support mm -hmm. each other while we're doing that. And I think it's more of, you know, kind of that idea of decoupling or uncoupling, you know, where you can do that from a place of consciousness of, of we're giving this as a gift. It's still going to be painful. You know, no doubt there's going to be painful, but it's a whole lot less painful than, you know, you see somebody who's got a messy divorce and, you know, they're out trying to you know, just annihilate the other person. So ghosting is not loving then. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Conscious breadcrumbing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I have this conversation a lot with nice guys is, uh, you know, that staying in this relationship when you, that, you know, it's not working, st st stringing this person along a lot of the time that, that that's not kind, that's not loving. You know that ending the relationship is is the kind and loving thing and having to remind them of that over and over 
I like what you just said there, Ari, because we forget that we're stringing ourselves along as well. You know, we, we are dragging ourselves, and that's a sign of an unloving self thing to do. It's like you're we're putting ourselves through this. That's you know, to me, I see that as disrespectful, unkind, unloving to ourselves. And in that point is, you know, we're dragging the relationship and we're dragging them along as well because you're thinking at some point there's hope, oh, things might change. Hey, you know what, let's work at this and this might work. But actually real deep inside, you know the truth. You know the moves that you want to make. And sometimes we're too afraid to access and have the courage to access the move because we're thinking – I don't want the emotion of her crying and heartbreak and then seeing her, then telling all the family. I just don't want to witness that. I'd rather stay in a miserable relationship, go through the pain, than see the pain of her hurting from me breaking up. Yeah. I'm stringing myself along. It's time for me to break my own heart. That's that's the take home today. <laughs> Breaking your heart is like love. I love that one. That's that's what I'm taking as well. Put that on a t-shirt. Put that on a t-shirt. All right, you guys can get that at niceguyshow.com. Just kidding. Maybe we'll put, maybe one day we'll have that. But speaking of niceguyshow.com, that's where you can find us at at the niceguyshow.com. Um, we have links to each one of us individually. If you're interested in coaching or if you're interested in working with one of us individually, uh, go to niceguyhelp.com. And uh, and I want to thank Ari and Faisal, you guys, for this conversation we've had today. I think it's been a really good one. Hopefully you guys out there have gleaned something from our experience that you'll be able to use for yourself and find helpful. And as always, we just really appreciate everybody who subscribes to this podcast, to this channel, um, your likes, your subscriptions, you know, squashing the bell, as they say, all of those things are deeply appreciated by us because it helps us grow and it helps the algorithm grow and it helps other people find this show. And so today I would just want to end on that note of gratitude. I'm so grateful for everybody that watches the show and Ari and Faisal, I'm grateful for you as well. And we'll see you guys next time on the nice guy show. You've been listening to the nice guy show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like, and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website, niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life.